0: Places so got quite a bit to cover. I've never in all my ministry ever ever spoke on what I'm going to speak on this morning, and it's been in the oven for about a week and a half. So if it's not, I've never preached it anywhere else. So if it's not, uh, if the ingredients aren't quite just right, used to be my mother used to have recipe cards, and they really didn't mean a whole lot. Because she'd add a little bit and she'd taste it. No, that's not right. And she'd add a little something else and taste it. How many had a mother like that? So I'm going to taste it this morning. If I want to add a little more, by the time time I get too old to preach this, then it ought to be right. But uh, we do have uh, some PowerPoint to help you a little bit with the the, uh, scriptures. I'm going to read a little bit out of Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read a little bit out of Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to read a little bit out of Matthew chapter 27, all in the book of Matthew. I think we have uh, maybe that on a PowerPoint screen. If not, then I'll cite that scripture. Uh, I, I want you to leave your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 16 when we finally said and done. If you have a pen and paper, you might want to write, maybe take a few notes um it's excited me to to get into this material if it doesn't excite me it's not going to do a thing for you because if it don't get past the preacher it sure isn't going to get to the pew right but uh what a joy to be uh in new city church this morning and i don't know about you but this was worth the journey this is beautiful and i appreciate uh, uh pastor bruce and uh and uh, Heather, and uh, what they mean to us, them and their family, and uh, there may be some time he thought I was the Antichrist, and there's sometime he thought I was uh, I was his best friend, and really I was his best friend. Sometimes it's not always easy to work through stuff, but hey, we got there, and I thank God for it. And uh, I took a few bullets, and I don't mind doing it. It was worth the journey, and I appreciate Ken and Danette Lindsay. And for what they did here and uh, their ingredient that was added to this, this uh, particular church. And uh, I've got 340 something churches in the state of Alabama. But I, I pledge to you and I pledge to Ken and I believe Ken pledges to you that we're going to do our part to uh, take special interest uh, in you. We're not gonna boss you. We're not gonna. We're just gonna love you, and be your friend. And I hope, when all's said and done, you see that's that's where we landed. And uh, Brock, I love you and appreciate you. You've, you've known your family a long time. Uh, I love his granddad and grandma. I'm good friends with them. Have known them forever. Now he makes me sound awful old. I was only I turned thirty in the state of Mississippi. So let me just go ahead and put that right out there. But I'd forgotten about the Mr. and Mrs. Camp Parade. Man, that brought back some memories. And uh, Lord, me and Ora did that for 24 years. I finally told her, we're not going to have an AARP card and be a state youth director at the same time. It's time to do something else. So at the age of 49, I believe it was, we stopped right there and uh, did something else because I, I told her I said we're not going to be on social Security honey and be doing cabin checks it just don't it don't work <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you it's good to see my dear friend miss Annette Massey today and uh, her husband Melvin was one of my dearest friends in the state of Mississippi and I miss my friend and I miss his prayers I could be on a, I could have a totally rotten day and her husband just had a a, a sense about him. He would stop by on the day I was dragging bottom and he'd come in, plop down in my office and say, I just want to tell you, I'm glad that you're my overseer, you're my pastor. And, that, and I thought, my Lord, he don't know it, but God sent him by just to help me uh, help me make it another day. I'm going to speak a little while today on the subject, the unavoidable cross, the unavoidable cross. It's, it's very ironic. Uh, maybe not ironic that we we've looked at the cross this morning we've we've partaken of communion and a lot of what happened and what i'm going to say happened the night that jesus took communion with his disciples and i'm going to just uh try to stay with what i've got here because if i don't i'm going to be longer than i need to be uh i just it just kept coming and i just kept on typing uh, on my computer but I want to tell you we we take this communion and a lot of times we we do it and we'll do it another Sunday and but we must realize what it signifies because death on a cross was horrific it was a terrible way to to die in the time of Christ the victim would not die from pain they would not die from blood loss. They would die from, from suffocating on the cross. After being nailed on the cross through the wrist and the feet in a somewhat awkward position, they would leave flexibility in the, in the uh, legs so that you could push up on the cross and gasp for another breath of air before you slump back down. And some people would literally hang for hours and days before dying on the cross and paralysis would eventually set in, making it impossible for the person to push themselves up anymore and that's the kind of death that Jesus Christ died. But the moment that Jesus Christ was born, the, the moment He cried the first cry in the manger in Bethlehem. How many of you know he was headed to the cross? He was literally born to die. And each day that he lived, it drew him closer and closer to this moment when he would die on the cross. Now, Matthew chapter 16, if you want to look at that, open up your Bibles there Jesus sees the cross in a distance. In a distance. Everybody say at a distance. And in this passage of scripture, I would read it, but it's a little lengthy, but he begins to tell his disciples, he begins to open them up to the fact that it's not going to turn out like you think it's going to turn out. The Via Dolorosa actually began at this spot. It didn't start at the city limits of Jerusalem. It started at the foot of Mount Hermon at Caesarea Philippi where he speaks in Matthew chapter 16. Here Jesus gives him a pop quiz. There's only two questions to the quiz. Now, that sounds like some guys I had in in Lee University, I had one I had one professor come in one day and and he wrote one question on the board. I am a sinner. <laughs> I need to be saved. Tell me how. I thought, "My Lord, I stayed up studying all night long and that's that's it." I had one professor that he liked to put Blank of the blank and the blank and the blank. One student went to the principal's, I mean to the president of Lee University's office and complained about the blank of the blank of the blank test. And the professor got up the next time and said, if you, quit, if you don't quit complaining about the blanks, of the, I'll leave all the words out and it'll be nothing but blank. And that, uh, that professor happened to be Dr. Giles and believe it or not, the man that was complaining was a guy named Don Battle who taught in Lee for years and, and it's amazing to me that he taught because he, took the, the, he, he had the toughest test I've ever taken in my life. Well, Jesus only had two questions. Question number one, who do men say that I am? It's right there in chapter 16. Question number two, who do you say that I am? And one of the few times that Simon Peter ever got anything right before Pentecost, he said, I know who you are. You're the the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he began to share at that point. At that moment, Jesus turned his face toward the cross and he began to tell them how he's going to suffer from the religious leaders. It's there in chapter 16. And how he is going to die and Simon Peter rebukes the Lord. Boy, that's, 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 a, that's a bold person, isn't it? He said, no, it's not going to happen like this. And that's when, now I'm telling you, if Jesus would have said this to me, I believe I would have went and crawled in, under a, in a hole somewhere. He looked at Simon and said, get behind me, Satan. You, you're not even thinking about the things of God. Simon wanted a crossless, write that down in your mind, a crossless, Christ, say it with me. Crossless Christ. Don't preach about the cross. Don't preach about the blood. Don't preach about carrying a cross and denying yourself. And there is a lot of what you see on television and what you hear and, and, and preaching that really is preaching a, a crossless Christ. We want a Hollywood Christ. We want a feel-good Christ. We want a warm and fuzzy Christ. We, we, want, we want a panda bear Christ. We, we, want, we want a Christ that makes us feel good, but we don't want to talk uh, about, about the cross. And that's the way Simon was. The only, only thing worse than a crossless Christ, now get this, is a, is a Christless cross. And I've seen a lot like that. You see, a Christless cross leads to legalism and hardness, and, and it's about rules and regulations. It's about suffering. Everybody, Oh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go to the garden and eat me some worms. That's what my salvation is about. Don't you want some too? No, I don't want any of that. I got enough problems. I, you know, but the, the, the Christless cross is, is nothing but agony, but thanks be to God, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to die on a cross, Simon. And what you're saying is totally contrary to, to, to the plan of God. Then in Matthew chapter 26, if you want to turn there, and I know we're skipping around, but this is the Garden of Gethsemane. Anybody ever heard of that? Jesus sees that the cross is now imminent. He saw the cross at a distance in Matthew 16, but now 10 chapters later, the cross is, is right there. He, he asked his father in Gethsemane that if it's possible, is there another plan? Is there a plan B? Uh, any way this cup can pass from me. I don't want to I don't want to go down this road if there's another way, but there isn't another way. Jesus must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the soldiers and be sacrificed as a lamb of God for the sin of the world. Now He prayed that prayer, but finally he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He might have died physically at Calvary, saints of God, but but think about this. He died willfully in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then in Matthew chapter 27, I know we're skipping around, but we're going to land in a minute. Just hang with me. Jesus is actually carrying his cross to Calvary. It's not something Matthew 16 saw way off in the distance. and It's not something that, that in the Garden of Gethsemane he saw it as imminent, but now he's actually carrying the cross. It's apparent that the Father's plan is this. There is no plan B and there is no plan C. There's only one plan, and that is Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and he's carrying this cross and he lays his life down and they nail his wrist and his feet to that tree and he begins to suffer and at the cross heaven met earth and grace erupts on the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ begins to flow down that cross on a hill called Mount Calvary. Are you glad of that? Say amen. Now, this is what I want you to get this morning. These these three passages of scripture that I've skipped along, they allow us to see how Jesus faced his cross. How Jesus faced his cross. Perhaps these verses are meant to teach us that there will be no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross bearers on earth. How you and I carry our cross as believers and I'm a firm believer in carrying the cross of Jesus Christ through the marketplace of this world. And I find that churches are growing, or churches where their are teachers and their and their and their workers and people that work at Walmart, and people that work uh, construction, and people that do other jobs. They not only bring theirself to the job, but they come to the job carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. They they wear Jesus. They are Jesus with flesh on in this world. That's the way the Lord wants us to be. And how you and I carry our cross is a testimony of the level and depth of our spiritual maturity and our spiritual faith. Now there's four truths, four takeaways and hopefully we've got them on the screen and not they're real simple that I want us to take home this morning. Number one about, about this deal of carrying our, our cross. Number one, the cross is unavoidable. Say that with me. The cross is unavoidable. Now listen to this. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, anybody here want to be his disciple? Well, I saw two. Anybody here? The Lord's looking. You might want to lift your hand. And Don't worry about what I'm seeing. Worry about what he's seeing. You want to be his disciple, you must. That word must there does not leave a lot of wiggle room. You must deny yourself Matthew chapter 16 says, And take up your cross on a daily basis and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, then doing it without this cross upon your back is absolutely not an option. It's a hill you cannot go around, it's a valley you just have to go through, it's a midnight you have to experience, it's a burden you have to bear, it's a cross. Now, let's stop there for commercial. The commercial is, what in the world are you preaching on cross-bearing on the day we dedicate this church? Well, I want you to know this church, this carpet, these lights, these walls, this roof, this is not the church. You are the church. The body of Christ is the believers. And before we dedicate this building, we must dedicate ourselves because if we dedicate this building and we're not dedicated ourselves, we're wasting our time doing what we're doing here this morning. You see, the cross is a challenge you have to face. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not light. It's a cross. Crosses are not designed with comfort in mind. Crosses are not streamlined to be light. Crosses are not made to be painless. Listen to this. It's something that has a crucifying effect upon your life. I'm going to say that again. Cross-bearing is something that has a crucifying effect upon your life it's something that's painful and heavy upon you it's almost unbearable at times brothers it's a cross sisters it's a cross life's crosses are not without anxiety there's no such thing as a worry-free cross man when i was writing this i thought i ain't believing i'm putting this down but i am crosses interrupt your happiness crosses mess up your plans crosses tear up your schedule if you're the kind of person you're all warped up when somebody messes up your schedule you're going to have a hard time bearing a cross crosses burden you crosses involve self-denial it's a cross this cross will keep you awake at night it changes the color of your hair look at mine I used to be a black haired youth director and I'm, and I'm an old gray haired overseer it causes your face to wrinkle. It creases in your brow. Many times it interrupts your health and your happiness. I, I, I hate to tell you, but crosses do not come on the menu with a happy meal included. It's a cross, folks. Sometimes we wish we could turn back the hand of time. That we could undo a bad decision that we make. That we, that we would have chosen another option instead of the one that we picked. And perhaps that cross would not now be standing in our path. But that's not true. Because if you're going to be my disciple, regardless, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after me. There are no exemptions. And this goes on and on. Just get ready for it. There are no free passes. There are no escape hatches There are no hidden passageways You can't search the map And find a bypass road around the cross Regardless of the path you take Regardless of the decision you make Regardless of what you humanly try to do Cross bearing for the child of God Is unavoidable Tired of it? I'm sorry, here's some more There's no such thing as Disney Express Pass are the luxury box seat when it comes to taking away. Maybe I can take away some of the discomfort of this cross. There's not a first class section. There's not a business class section to make the grueling journey while carrying this cross more tolerable and enjoyable. I hate to tell you, all of God's children are back there seated in C class. C stands for the cross. We all carry the cross. Jesus said pick up your cross. He did not say pick up Cadillac when we accept the call to be his disciples there's going to be a cross that we have to carry through life his cross was unavoidable his cross was unavoidable it was the only way that you and I could be saved. So how in the world do we think for a moment that we can escape carrying what Jesus Christ carried? If Jesus Christ carried a cross, so will we. Carrying our cross is something we cannot get out of doing. So number one, the cross is what? It is unavoidable. Was well, this is preaching better than I thought. I might try this again instead of putting in the closet. Number two, your cross can only be endured by prayer. Write that down. Your cross can only be endured by prayer. Jesus sets the example. Jesus is about to pick up a cross. Jesus is about to carry a cross. What's the first thing he does? He heads to the Garden of Gethsemane after having communion with the disciples. He walks up a several mile long cemetery up to the Mount of Olives and he enters into the Garden of Gethsemane and there he begins to pray. Even in his prayer, he desires not to face the cross. He prayed for the cup to be removed. But Jesus, who is the Christ, Jesus, who knew he was headed to die on a cross, literally taught us a truth. And that truth is, you can only endure your cross through prayer. When the cross was imminent, it seemed greater than Christ could bear. He was under so much pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible said it was like he he prayed so intensely with such anxiety. It was like his sweat were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Hey, there is a condition. It's called hematidrosis. It's bloody sweat. It's rare but well documented in medical records. It is characterized by the sweating of blood which is said to occur when a person is facing death or some other highly stressful events. It has been seen in prisoners Got this right off the good old internet. Before their execution, it's attributed to rupture of the capillary surrounding sweat glands with oozing of blood into the glands and out of the sweat ducts. That's what was happening to the Lord. He knew the only way he was gonna make it through Calvary. He knew the only way he was gonna bear his cross and make it was to firm it up by prayer. Jesus prayed before the cross and Jesus prayed on the cross. I've already told you about him praying before the cross. He also prayed on the cross. First of all, he prayed a prayer of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He finished up with a prayer of committal. He said, Father, into thy hands. I commend my spirit. I'm telling you, the weight of the cross will attempt you to stop God's destiny in you. The weight of the cross will attempt to stop God's destiny in you. It will tempt you to put your will and your comfort ahead of God's will for your life. It will tempt you to become englued or unhinged from the faith. Now, I hate to tell you this. If it isn't bad enough what I've already told you, you might, you might not have liked what I said, but it's in the word of God. Blame God. Don't blame me. But cross-bearing is not popular. Everybody say that with me. Cross-bearing... Is not popular. I can't help what Tammy Faye used to say. <laughs> Cross bearing, yo, know, get on there, everybody. Cross bearing is not popular. By the time Simon steps into the pages of history, Jesus is no longer the popular preacher that crowds flock to for a bread and fish dinner. By the time Simon steps on the scene, people that used to run with Jesus are now running from Jesus. His disciples have all forsook him for fear. Jesus used to be the popular thing. Come on. He used to be the hot ticket in town, but now he's suffering public shame. The people have actually swapped out Barabbas. That's how bad it is for Jesus Christ. And Simon is forced to step in and help. Notice this. He now has the assignment to help the one person that the crowd despises. The same crowd that was mocking and screaming at Jesus while he was carrying his cross by himself now turns on Simon and begins to mock and and laugh at him. The same one that was spitting on Jesus are now spitting on Simon. The same ones that were cursing Jesus are now cursing him too. And I want you to get this. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, it is impossible to carry the cross of Jesus through the marketplace and remain invisible at the same time. If they hated Jesus, go ahead and knock yourself out. But this world hates you and this world hates me and this world hates Pentecost. There's no such thing as popular Pentecost. There's no such thing as politically, politically correct Pentecost. The world hates anything that's like God or stands for Jesus Christ. There isn't any such thing as carrying his cross incognito. That's pretty good preaching, Brother Hart. Yeah, I think it is. I'm going to keep coming. You can't put on enough camo gear. You can't put on enough makeup to disguise it. If you carry his cross, you are going to be identified with Jesus Christ. And the same people that hate Jesus, I'm sorry, are going to hate you too. Well, it's going to get better. It's going to tone down. I hate to tell you, it's not going to tone. If you believe that, you're living in a dream world. My Lord, look at just what's happened in the last few months. It's not going to die out until Jesus comes. The I am convinced that the dividing line between the things of God, anybody else feel that way? And the things are just going to keep getting bigger and bigger as we approach the coming of the Lord. And prayer is the only thing that's gonna get you and get me through. You can invite psychology to come alongside of you. I love this, and I wrote it and I love it. And psychoanalyze your cross and tell you how to cope with it. You can bring self-help gurus with their books of bags and tools to help you work on your cross and hammer on your cross. You can bring second opinions in the eyes of others to come and look at your cross and tell you what they did and. how they did it. You can bring that last word that you got from that red hot Holy Ghost conference and somebody spoke something over you, something wonderful and you can you can, you can can come and you can try to reframe your cross in a different light but brothers and sisters if you've ever listened to a Church of God preacher before, you need to listen to this man that's preaching to you today you better bring your altar to the cross. Prayer is the strongest weapon that I have at my cross. Prayer will get us through hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> prayer will not always remove your cross it might. you might find that to be the case I haven't but it will help you endure your cross it will help you bear your cross you need to learn to saturate your cross with prayer You need to learn to saturate your cross with prayer. We need to transform our place of pain into a place of prayer. We need to transform our place of being stretched out like Jesus was stretched out into a place of strength. We need to transform our place of hurts into a place of hope. Hallelujah. We need to transform our place of tension into a place of triumph. There's only one way to get through and that is through prayer. That's the only way you can carry your cross and make it. Number three. Oh, if it keeps getting better and better, oh Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know why I sang. I just felt it come on me. I'm sorry. Because this is some good stuff right here. You do not have to bear your cross all alone. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to bear your cross all alone. A man named Simon of Serene had traveled 980 miles. No jet plane. <laughs> By foot, 21 to 25 hours to Jerusalem from North Africa to celebrate the Passover. Now get this, 980 miles away he starts. He's on his way to celebrate the Passover coming into Jerusalem when he hears a commotion in the distance. As he gets closer, he can see an angry crowd and a mob and they're screaming at three men who are in the middle of the crowd carrying their crosses to their execution. That's amazing to me. His path intersects the very route that this procession is taking down the Via Della Rosa to Golgotha. Jesus Christ wasn't on this man's radar screen 10 minutes earlier. He probably never even knew who Jesus was. But he arrives at Jerusalem and runs into this procession at this procession at the exact time that Jesus Christ is passing by carrying his cross. That's amazing to me. If he had come 15 minutes earlier, he would have already went into the city and missed it. If he had come 15 minutes later, Jesus Christ would have already passed by and he would have missed it. But the divine providence of God was for Simon to be at the exact place at the exact time that Jesus fell under his cross so he could help Jesus carry his cross. Of all the people that the Roman soldiers could have picked out of the crowd that day, they picked Simon and they forced Simon to help Jesus Christ carry his cross, which a Roman soldier could do. The Roman soldiers packed that they carried on their back weighed about 66 pounds, so it was a law that any Roman soldier could force any Israelite or other foreigner to carry their pack at least one mile. Only one mile. If you went more than a mile, you broke the law. So they'd find somebody to carry it a mile and then get somebody else. That way, the Roman soldiers would arrive fresh where they where they were headed, and they would not be wore out from carrying their pack. Jesus fell beneath the weight of that cross, and they forced Simon to carry the cross. He's dehydrated. He's weak from the loss of blood, from the lack of nourishment. He's been beaten. He's been up all night long from judgment hall to judgment hall. I've come to tell you something this morning. Carrying the cross can can get you beat up by life. Carrying the cross can get you beat up by life. Jesus exalted because when you bear a cross, it wears you down. Sometimes you crumble and fall beneath the weight of the cross. But I've got good news for you. God will help you bear up your cross. He will send someone your way and put them directly in your path to help you pick up your cross and carry it a little while until you're strong enough to do it. I'm telling you, this lady and I, we do not believe in accidental happenstance. We do believe in God-ordained moments. And I do believe that when you're your weakest, God will place somebody right in your path that will help you get over this this mountain and get you another 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 mile down the road thanks be to God you do not have to bear your cross all alone when I was youth director of eastern North Carolina there was a lady there whose husband pastored Fedville that's near where Fort Bragg is if you know anything about the military her name, was, her name was Sister Kennedy. I called her Sister Kennedy out of respect. This is one of the most praying women I, I've ever met in my life. She would scare her kids to death. They'd be asleep in their room and they would see shadows outside going across the 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 the, uh, the shades of the curtains and they think it was some ghost or some monster or something and it was sister Kennedy outside in her bathrobe and her and her house shoes and God had woke her up and told her to go out and pray for somebody sister Kennedy did that for me. She came to me Well, she called me on the phone one time, Ken, and said, this is Sister Kenny. Hey, Sister Kenny, how you doing? Brother Hart, I'm here to tell you something. Here's what the Lord told me last night. And that woman began to read my mail. There's no way in the world she could know what I was going through. But she began, she said, God did, said this. God said this. God said this. God, my Lord, I thought, how does this woman know this? And she said, I'm just here to tell you. I got on my patio last night in my house coat and my house shoes and the Holy Ghost fell on me. And I I begin to pray for you. I'm telling you just at the time you're the weakest. God says you don't have to bear your cross alone. I'm gonna send a Simon your way and he's gonna help you carry the cross when it becomes too heavy for you to bear. Just remember victory's on the other side of the cross. Forgiveness is on the other side of the cross. Divine healings on the other side of the cross. Resurrections on the other side of the cross. Celebrations on the other side of the cross. Pentecost. Yeah. Pentecost is on the other side of the cross. And last but not least, I'm going to give you this point and then we're going to dedicate. When you surrender your life and you become his disciple and you pick up his cross and you carry it, It not only changes your plans. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when you become a child of God and you sell out to Jesus, it will will change your plans. You can't do like you used to do. You can't do your own thing. Right? But it will also change your life. Now get this. Simon was on the way to church. He's on his way to church when all of this happened. He had big plans to participate in the Passover celebration. He had had, had traveled almost a thousand miles. But before the day was over, his plans would change. Are you ready for this? The minute Simon made contact with that cross, his plans were automatically messed up. His itinerary was changed. He was immediately disqualified from participating in the Passover feast, because according to the law, if you came into contact with a criminal or anything a criminal touched, you were now considered unclean and you couldn't participate in the Passover. Deuteronomy twenty-one twenty-three says, He who hangs on a tree is cursed. He would be disqualified by the law to, to participate in the Passover if he touched anything a, a condemned criminal touched, especially the cross. Simon teaches us that you've not engaged in true cross-bearing until you've lost something. And I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a cheap cross. There's no such thing as a Walmart cross. There's no such thing as a Kmart Blue Light Special Cross. If you intend to carry the cross of Jesus Christ, you better get it clear in your mind. It will cost you Everything. Denying yourself is not an easy thing to do. Now notice this. Before the day was over, Simon would do what no other living human being has ever done. He would be the first person in history to literally pick up the cross of Jesus and carry it. Out of two testaments, out of 66 books, out of 1,189 chapters, out of 31,102 verses in the Bible, Simon would only get one verse. Only verse in the Bible that mentions this man. But it only took one verse. Boy, I like this. For Simon to show us the difference between being a churchgoer and a crossbearer. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of church goers, but there's not so many cross bearers. He shows us the difference in having religion and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because listen to this, you can't be in love with Jesus and refuse to carry his cross. I said you can't be in love with Jesus and refuse to carry his cross. Here's another one. I love this. Is Simon carried that cross, then he came into contact with the blood of Jesus. During the process of carrying his cross, there's no doubt, as beaten and bruised and battered as Jesus was, his blood had to be all over that cross before Simon picked it up. During the process when Simon picked up that bloody cross and he put it on his shoulders and he carried it up Calvary's hill and he laid it down there, the blood of Jesus Christ would have had to rub off on his hands and on his body. It was probably all over, Simon. He was covered up in it. You can't carry his cross and not be covered up with his blood. My Lord, I feel like shouting this morning. You can't carry his cross and not be covered up with his blood. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, come on, neighbor, the blood is on you. It's on your body. It's on your house. It's on your children. It's on your heart. It's on your mind. It's on your soul. It's on everything you have. The blood of Jesus is on you. Simon represented every person who's ever lived At the moment, they looked down and saw the blood of Jesus Christ on their hands. The rankest sinner in the city of Mobile has the blood of Jesus on their hands. Everybody that's ever lived has the blood of Jesus. When he died, he died for everybody. Simon had to look at that blood and make a decision that everybody like you, you made that decision, I made that decision. Is this blood shed in vain or do I bow my knee and bow my head to become a follower of the man whose cross he had just carried and whose blood he now has on his hands? And apparently this changed his life forever. In fact, notice this. I, I, I thought about this. I thought about Simon leaving the Golgotha and he wraps his bloody... Hands in his bloody arms around his two sons and his wife going back into Jerusalem. Guess what? The blood of Jesus rubbed off on them. Because there's a lot of evidence in biblical history that tells us that this family had a part in the early church church. One son's name was Alexander. You'll find him mentioned. One son's name was Rufus. He was a friend of the apostle Paul. Apparently, their life was changed after carrying the cross. I'm telling you, he picked up the cross of Christ and it forever changed his life. He picked up the cross of Christ and forever changed his life. You know, someone supposedly interviewed Simon of Serene after he carried the cross of Jesus up Calvary. And here's what Simon supposedly said. He said, yeah, I remember the day they pulled me out of the crowd. I remember the imposition they caused for me. I didn't know who he was. He was a perfect stranger. I'd never seen him before. All I know, I was picked at random. I was pulled out of the crowd and that Roman soldier said, you carry his cross. And then Simon said, you know, something amazing happened to me. I looked down and he was stooped on the ground. He had just fell under the load and he reached up and he put his hand on one of my shoulders and I had his cross on my other shoulder. And here's what Simon said. He said to this day, I have never felt the weight of his cross for feeling the touch of his hand. He said, I will gladly bear his cross again. I will gladly do it over again. Just make sure of one thing. Make sure his hand is on my shoulder. Make sure his hand is on my life. I'm telling you, this old cross may get heavy at times, but you'll never feel the weight of his cross if you feel the touch of his hand upon your life. Yes, mm. Oh, glory. Now let me, let me land this and I'm done. This morning Christ is not giving you a crown to wear. I don't care what they tell you on television. You ain't wearing no crown yet. Quit strutting your stuff. Holier than thou, no. He didn't give you a crown to wear. He's offering you a cross to bear. He proved himself that the kingdom of God is not ushered in from the position of a crown. Jesus proved that the kingdom is being ushered in from the position of a cross. He never forces anyone to carry the cross. It's not a demand you take, but a decision that you make. This is an invitation to truly be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you accept this invitation, then you must deny. You must, you must, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow in his footsteps, just like Simon did. Simon could look ahead. He could see Jesus right in front of him. He was following along behind the Lord, carrying his cross. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have a destiny. Listen to this. We have a destiny of cross-bearing that sort of goes along with the job. It's a package deal. You want Jesus, you get the cross, right? When you sign on with Jesus, you pick up two things. Number one, you pick up the fishing net. I mean, you know where that comes from. And then you pick up the cross and you take out after him. It's all part of following him. It's, it's all part of being his disciple. In this days of selfies, self-actualization, self-awareness and centering on self, we're asked by Jesus to deny ourselves and pick up the cross and follow him. You can't carry yourself and carry the cross at the same time. You hear me? You can't carry yourself and carry the cross at the same time. Denying yourself, please get this, is not hating yourself. It's not minimizing yourself. It's not rejecting yourself. It's not neglecting yourself. This simply means that we must deny our self-trust and our self-sufficiency and our self-will. In every aspect of our life we say no to self when we say yes to God. Are we willing to live our lives His way and not our way? Are we willing to live our lives for the glory of God and not for our own self? I know. It gets tough sometimes. But as Jason Crabb sang, he never promised that the cross would not be heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victories without fighting, but guess what? He said that help would always come right on time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision, the adversary says, give in. How I many of what that song says? What? Just hold on. Our Lord's gonna... And he will take you through the fire again. Bow your head with me. Close your eyes. If you're a child of God... You're his disciple. I'm asking every child of God and every disciple in this place to lift up your hand. Hold it up. And one more time, I want you to do this as I'm going to do. I want you just to surrender self. Claim him Lord one more time. Rededicate your life to him. Before we dedicate this building, let's rededicate our life to the Lord. Do it right now, Father. I'm yours, Heavenly Father. Everything I have. I can't live without you. I can't make it without you. I can't survive without you. You are my everything. God, we dedicate ourselves to you today because we're the church. Your church is not mortar. Your church is not brick. Your church is not your church is not carpet. Your church is not paint. Your church are the people, the body of Christ, and we dedicate ourselves to you. Lord, one more time we deny ourselves. We're willing to take up our cross and follow you. Would you say that to him? That's, a, that's, that's hard to say, I'm telling you. What do you mean it's hard to say? The Bible said many went back and walked no more with him. It was so bad he had to look at the disciples and said, are you also going to go away? That's because cross, as long as we was, he was passing out fish dinners and bread, they were lined up. But buddy, when he was passing, off cross, passing out crosses, they were ready to leave. But Lord, I love you today. Just tell him that I love you today. Thank you Jesus. Amen. Do we have that litany to put up on the screen? We're going to do this together. I'm going to read I'm going to read the minister's part. Your part's easy. It's the uh, it's the people part, so I'm going to move over here where you can see that. In fact, I may just help you with it, but we're going to, let's all stand together. We're going to officially dedicate this building. having me led by the hand of God and enabled by his grace and power to prepare this facility to be used for fellowship, worship training, and outreach in the community. We now stand in his holy presence and dedicate this facility to him. Say this with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless his name forever. To the glory of God the Father who has called us by his grace to the honor of his Son who loved us and gave himself for us, as I've preached this morning, to the praise of the Holy Spirit, who guides and sanctifies. Say this, we dedicate, we dedicate this, For the worship of God and prayer and praise, for the sharing of the everlasting gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say it with me. We dedicate this facility. For the training of our children and teens, for the nurture and instruction of the Lord, that they may be fully equipped as disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That they may have some word to gather together that is wholesome and different than the places this world has to offer. Say this with me. We may make this for the strengthening of our Christian homes, for the promotion of personal and social righteousness in our community, for the extension of the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. Say this. We give this to the Lord and ourselves to God. Amen. One more time, let's lift our hand. Heavenly Father. We give you praise. Come on. We give you glory. We thank, come on, saints of God. This is a wonderful time. We praise you. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Thank you, God, because we have this beautiful sanctuary we can stand in today. We worship you today. God, you've been good to this church. You've been good to this pastor and his family. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for this building. We dedicate it to the glory, Lord. Now let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah.
1: Powerful, powerful, powerful message this morning. Powerful message. A truth that we need to hear this morning. We got to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Because we are the body, we are the church, and we dedicate this facility to the kingdom work of God, and we believe that God has a great work for us, that there is greater things that are yet to come in this city. That there are greater things that are yet to come in this church. That there are greater things that God has prepared in advance for us as his people. He has prepared in advance good works for us. And we dedicate ourselves and this property to the good work that God has called for us. Lord God, right now we give you glory and honor and praise. Let's make this song this morning our dedication song and let's sing it out together as a prayer and as a declaration that there are greater things yet to come. Do you believe that? Amen? Amen. Let's sing it together.